0: Welcome to another delicious edition of A Book and a Bottle, where we offer a unique service to lovers of books and booze, stories and sipping by pairing fantastic novels with fine wine. Every edition, my guests and I read a different novel, then taste a bottle or three before deciding on our perfect novel pairing. Our bottle might be directly from the book or inspired by it or even contrary to it. You can find all our past books and bottles from Bridget Jones to Brideshead Revisited on our website along with a complete bibliography featuring all the bottles from each book. The town of lens Soutane, has 200 souls at most and is no more than a blip on the fast road between Toulouse and Bordeaux. Blink and it's gone. Life has been the same here for hundreds of years until one shrove Tuesday, an unseasonably warm wind blows from the west, bringing with it change in the form of free-spirited Vion and her curious daughter, Anouk. As Lent begins, Vion dares to open a chocolate shop, awakening appetites and enraging Father Renaud, who looks on in horror as the flock he controls so cruelly is corrupted by sweet, sweet pleasure. Written by Joanne Harris, who also adapted it for the film, starring Juliette Binoche and Judy Dench. It's a darkly confected tale of temptation, perfect for our Easter pick. My guests for this edition are Simon Heafield from Independent Booksellers Foils. Hello. And Olivia Marsh from the rightly revered Hello. Corny and Barrow. So, Olivia, what did you think of L'Anse Canet?
1: Despite the fact that it's a, a made-up place, I think it really does, for anyone who's been to France, kind of evoke all those French sort of... Parochial sounds a mean word, but it's got, yeah, 200 people and really small kind of style of boulangerie and patisserie and all those other little elements that bring a small French town to life.
0: Colour is a luxury here, is one of, is one of the, the, the early parts. And, and it says also there's a kind of seething, a whispering of speculation, a twitching of curtains. It's quite a suspicious place, isn't it?
2: It is, and I think because it it 's so out of the way, I mean they mentioned that no tourists ever go there either it 's not just that people aren 't sort of moving in it 's just totally kind of isolated yeah. the, the, there 's a kind of there are layers to it, the kind of layer of the civilized, pretty little French village, and then the, underneath that the kind of the resentments and the petty squabbles and the in some cases quite serious crimes that have gone on there <laughs> yeah, that are yeah. hushed up um and it it takes someone new coming in with her big wooden chocolate spoon to stir it all up and getting all those those flavours coming out
0: when I read this for the first time it was a long time ago so I, I reread it and when we decided it would be our Easter pick and it reminded me so much of Mary Poppins at the beginning it's this as a woman who blows in on the wind from the outside and she arrives and she disrupts everything doesn't she the the, the old order of life is is overturned
1: absolutely and I think You see it a lot in the film adaptation, but also you get the impression that everything is grey and bleak and black, and then this kind of flash of colour with her and her daughter in tow appear, and it changes, not necessarily always for the better, but there's a a real kind of sense. Mm. I mean, you pick up on it with references to the wind a lot, but she really is the wind of change. Yes,
2: And the fact that she's quite mysterious, and she's got this kind of magical... Um magical connotations she's she hangs kind of herbs above the door yeah. to protect from evil spirits and cast spells and you never quite know. How much within the kind of world of the novel the, her her kind of acts of magic are influencing what happens, but
0: there are really nice kind of hints yeah. that there's there's more going on I'm not a fan of, of of magical realism at all um but this book is magical in 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 the sense in the truest sense are is she a witch Armand says does he know you're a witch? it takes one to know one I guess I knew you at once you and your little girl you know it, is she a witch or is she as so many witches were just a woman who is single without a man and independent and free-spirited and and, and living on her own.
1: I think witch has too many sinister connotations. I think there's something a bit more exciting about what she does and how she interferes with people's lives and those sorts of things in the book. I don't think there's anything a bit, you know, kind of let's burn her at the stake kind of witchiness Mm. to it.
0: That kind of woman would have been burned at the stake. And I think that's what we see is that women in this book suffer for being independent.
2: But it's sort of interesting that that Joanne Harris has made the choice to kind of make her both in a way, because she is that independent woman, single mother, bowling into town and stirring things up but she also kind of refers to herself as a witch and yep. she she uses the tarot cards and there is a, a sort of supernatural element to her. How
0: does it compare with you um, for the film, Olivia, and the book?
1: It's so unbelievably different. Um, I mean, there are elements of the film which are, um, I think, a bit more blatant. I guess when you've only got two hours to fill, it's it's a bit harder, but, you know, everything is really dark at the beginning of the film and then here she comes with her bright red dress and yeah. there she is as the colour and um.
0: I think the book is is essentially a theological struggle it's very, it's also very Jungian and it's dark and light and it's good and evil it's temptation really temptation is I think at, at the heart of the story and everybody's tempted by different things aren't they?
2: Yeah and the book is kind of about embracing that temptation and not and, and sort of questioning why, what's the Point of worrying about temptation if you're tempted to do something yeah. to sort of do it is seems to be you know, one of the messages of the book but I love the the way the book is structured to kind of follow the the course of Lent as the way she she comes in on the carnival and sees the sort of tail end of the procession yeah. at that point you get such a kind of good sense of the characters already and the way the town works of Father Christmas kind of pelting the kids with sweets yeah. who turns out to be the the wife beater yep. uh, Musca, and you see the priest kind of prowling around at the end of the procession um, and then you have this kind of this amazing contrast between a town that's sort of plunged into Lent and this kind of abstemious kind of period of, of self-denial and this opening of the, this glorious chocolate shop and all of the smells and flavours coming out of that.
0: It's very sensuous. Mm. It is, yeah. Olivia, why do you think that the, the, the chocolate, the chocolat, is is such a powerful symbol um, of, of temptation in this story?
1: It's just, I, oh, I don't know, I don't find it tempting myself, but I can imagine that if the one thing in the world you want is chocolate, to be able to, mm. to not have it, it must be a real struggle for
0: me it's very much this idea that the that, that chocolate like temptation takes many forms it can be it can be liquid it can be molded into all kinds of shapes usually kind of shapes of the natural world there's something very pagan isn't there about it yeah
2: and there's something about how she she always knows what someone's taste is and she yeah. kind of prides herself on knowing what your favorite is and i think one of the the most sort of withering remarks about Muska is that he's a man without favourites, so he doesn't have any favourites, and he's not interested in these kind of no nice, no, yeah, these sort of simple pleasures.
0: And when I read this years ago, um, I obviously kind of f- forgot the ending. Um, I remembered that one of the beloved characters dies. We won't say which beloved character dies, but, but, the, but, the, but the ending is, is redemptive, but it's also dark you don't quite I didn't quite know what happened at, at, at the end I wasn't sure was she gonna stay was she gonna yeah. was she gonna was yeah. she gonna leave did what she even wants to do at that point exactly I wasn't quite I wasn't quite clear well there is a sequel now isn't there yeah. yes. the, which I haven't read so I don't know if that answers a lot of those questions maybe. I I got the sense that there were other people out there like her um, who maybe all weren't good or who didn't have good intentions and that there was a possibility of more more sort of conflict. I think that's one of the things I love about this book and it's um, it's at the heart of all religion is this idea of faith that there is another world, a thinly veiled world just, just next to ours. And that really is what the the priest is selling but she's just selling a slightly different version of that which is to th- say to look into ourselves and find a different version of yourself that exists alongside your everyday self and you know allow that person to be free. And I think that's what the message is for me really. It's about sort of self... Self-realization, in a way.
2: Yeah, I think so. And and about being part of a community and caring for each other and being sort of kind and generous to each other, which are all things that you would think the priest would yeah, value in somebody.
1: It does kind of contradict the whole principle of the community of the church. I think you know she's the one that is this exotic outsider, shunned by essentially everybody. But she's the one that's really pulling everybody together with the chocolate. Yeah, um, and the priest is pushing people away from each other and struggling with his own demons and whatever else.
0: Um, so Olivia, the book is—it's not rich particularly in drinks. I mean, there are drinks. There's, there's there's champagne and there's brandy, which goes in with the cherries, and there's 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 coffee, cognac, and there's some beer. Um, but it's a book full of flavours. I mean, I think it's our most flavourful um, book that we've that, that we've chosen. I did have to have a a little bit of insulin towards the end um, <laughs> just to stop me from going over but um, I, I wondered how you started to come up with a short list for us
1: I had so many things going through my head I, th- I actually scribbled them down on the back page as I was thinking the list just got longer and longer but as you say there aren't m- masses of wine references but there are some there um, given that well it's a made up town but it's supposed to be near Bordeaux I think you've got to include some Bordeaux reference somewhere and there, there is Claret and red wine from Bordeaux mentioned several times. Mm. Um, champagne would be an obvious one um, because they talk about it a bit and also it's used at the party um, at the towards the end. And they also uh, get quite intoxicated on a 1985 Chablis, uh, which I had a look online and the only one available was about 280 quid a bottle, so that definitely <laughs> didn't... <laughs> <laughs> Rare and expensive.
0: So well, let, I think we should we should start with the with the, the the clearest cleanest candidate. Why don't you tell us about the Sauvignon Blanc Nelson Estate?
1: So I chose um, then Nelson Sauvignon um, primarily because it's made um, by a, a woman, and women are so pivotal in this book. Um, it's all about fierce, strong, independent women, and it's not an easy job to be uh, a winemaker, let alone a woman in a predominantly male environment Uh, so I thought stand up for the girls and showcase (laughs) what uh, what Leisha does. Leisha Nelson uh, is award-winning but also it I feel like this new world South African Sauvignon really typifies Vianne and her kind of new world exotic way Mm. that she brings um, breaking the mold of the traditional style of French wine that you would imagine 99% of the people in the in the village drink um, I thought it was a good example of something that was a bit different a bit more vibrant has more energy to it
0: this is um, it's grassy but it's not super green it's, it's not vegetal it's, it's it sounds like it's a, it's a golden it's a golden grassiness it's very fresh and it has that slight tart finish which is really nice brilliant thank you very much and what's next
2: so secondly
1: we are going for a s- sweet wine I mean, for me, this book is all about decadence. The chocolate is just flowing with abundance and it's rich and exciting and a little bit like the forbidden fruit, um, which I guess it kind of is. Um, <laughs> and I thought, what what is more decadent than a dessert wine? I mean, how many people really have finished their meal with pudding wine in this day and age? It's also a bit of a nod to Josephine and Paul-Marie Muscat because... Uh, this is a Muscat de Baume de Venise from Domaine Corio, and um, I think it's a super refreshing but rich and unctuous dessert wine that I would probably drink without dessert and just <laughs> stick it in the fridge and drink it on a nice hot sun, sunny day.
0: No, it's 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 a tough sell for a lot of people because they just think they're thinking they're going to pick this up and it's going to be syrupy, it's going to be cloying, it's going to be too thick. But I think that the trick with this wine is just that it has. A backbone of acidity doesn't it it has a a really clear structure
1: absolutely and i think Mm. that's what makes it drinkable without food
0: i mean i think it sounds like a strange thing to say about a pudding wine but it's actually refreshing okay and our final choice
1: so finally uh we've gone for corny and barrow margot as we are down the road from bordeaux yeah in this made-up french town the region, well, the appellation is synonymous with Chateau Margaux, which is possibly one of the most expensive wines that you can buy. But this comes from uh, Chateau d'Angliday, and this is their second wine, so Reserve d'Angliday, which we um, we put our own label to. It's made by Maison Seychelles, who we've been working with for uh, probably longer than I've been alive. Um, and I think in the sense that the Sauvignon Blanc from South Africa was the new world. This is the old traditional style that kind of sits very firmly with Renault and the mm-hmm. and the priest and the, the you know, the townspeople who aren't willing to necessarily embrace new life. Um,
2: this is the wine that he's drinking on his Lenten Sunday lunch times. Yeah. Right. Whereas
1: I would imagine Vianne is probably a bit more adventurous with her wine choices. <laughs> but it's not You know, we put our own label on these wines because we want people to drink them rather than keep them... Well, they can keep them if they want, but the idea is that this is your house Margot or your house Bordeaux and that you can drink it. So it's not super tannic, it's not really drying, there's a lot of fruit there, it's easy drinking. It's a perfect kind of autumn, winter, Friday night wine.
0: We've got to come up with one novel pairing for for Chocolat, um, and you've come up with three incredibly different choices which i think speak to the themes they speak to they speak to the characters and they speak to the area um so i think depending on which interpretation of the book you want to take you could take almost any one of them i am gonna to come to you first olivia and ask which is which is your pick
1: i think i'm gonna to have to go for the musk the bone de, de venice mm-hmm. um just because the book is all about that exotic decadence and Kind of forbidden fruit and mm-hmm. things that maybe are a bit of a luxury, um, and I think dessert wine is definitely one of those things in life.
0: Okay, Simon,
2: um, I have to agree. I'm sorry, this is the I think third time in a row that <laughs> <laughs> you haven't had any bearing on the decision, Damien. I'm sorry, but I think this book, more than any other I think I've ever read, tickled my sweet tooth so much that, and I've got a pretty um pronounce sweet tooth anyway um and this wine would would tick that box if i were having a glass of wine and reading this book i'd have to choose something that's as sweet and complex and delicious as this
0: um i have no choice um but the, the, the fact is is that i also would choose this um I think because of, its, because of its structure, its sort of stern backbone of acidity, and because of its aromatic, sweet deliciousness, um, the Muscat de Baume de Venise has to be um, our novel pairing for Chocolat. So thank you, Simon. Thank you. And thank you, Olivia. Thank
1: you.